thanks today. There's, there's so much to thank you for. Um, we want to tell you we love you. Just tell him that in your heart right now. <clears throat> Lord, thanks for uh, good jobs. Thanks, Lord, for uh, our spouses, our children. Thank you for provision. Thank you, Lord, for being there in the middle of the night when no one else uh, might understand, but you're there to just uh, lean on, crawl up into your arms. And Thanks, Lord, that uh, you know the future, and because of that, we can be secure. Help us, Lord, when we are anxious and fearful, and I pray that uh, you just teach us to trust you more. Lord, help us to look into your eyes more and more. That we would sense and know that peace that is so deep, love that's uh, overwhelming, so that we would know it's going to be okay. It's, it's all, it's going, to, it's going to be okay. It's all right. And that we're loved and accepted. We don't have to live with rejection, but we're, we're accepted and precious and we just thank you for all that. And Lord, you're welcome today as we have been worshiping you and loving you. We just want to say it. Just say it out loud. Lord, we're, we love you and you're welcome here. And we're thankful, Jesus, that we have this opportunity to have a relationship with you. Not, not just on Sunday morning. That, uh, you know, at the, at the water fountain tent... At, 10 o'clock on Monday morning, and uh, we just need help with that next presentation we're making and uh, next client we're going to see. We thank you, Lord, that you're there for us and you're with us. Thank you for that. We bless you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Uh, this is not an admonition, but just kind of an encouragement. Just, just keep Jesus at the center of all that you do. Um, I can feel he's welcome here. It feels really good. It feels really good this morning. And uh, just when, you know, whenever Jesus got in the center of things uh, and, and he felt welcome where he was, then he just does what he does. And, and frankly, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, when, when you, that's why people hung around him. That's why, I, you know, He'd have 20,000 show up, you know, and uh, he, he just does what he does. He, he, you know, uh, his sermons weren't so, uh, they weren't so grandiose. And I mean, he talked about seeds and fishing nets and, you know, just simple things. But they were so profound. There was such authority. But then when he got done, you know, preaching, then he'd do it. <laughs> And, and the blind would see, and that seemed to get people's attention. And, you know, <clears throat> and, and he still wants to make lame people walk today, and uh, physically and, and emotionally and, you know, all kinds of ways. You, you just get Jesus in the center of things, and, and it's just good. It's really good. And so uh, it feels good here today. And I always feel like coming home when I'm coming to Marietta. Tom Tanner and I have been... Friends since probably 1989, we did a camp, uh, came and spoke at First United Methodist Church in Marietta, and 
and uh, it's been a good ride ever since, uh, you know, lifelong friendship, and then to have David and Misty come into our life, it's just, uh, Lord's given us treasures, and we're grateful for that. I was praying about what to, how to begin today, and, and so I'm going to just launch in what I feel uh, he wants me to do. I'm going to share the same message that I shared at the conference, if some of you all may have been there, but at the front end of this, uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted to, um, this may be a bad word, tantalize you just a little bit. He, he wants to give us. He's a giver. And it's not just about his gifts. Somebody even prayed that this morning. It's not about what God has to give. If, if he just shows up, it's enough. We, sometimes we can become fascinated with what he gives and what he, you know, rather than becoming fascinated and captivated with who he is. And so we want to be captivated with him. But just his nature, he's a giver. And he's always done that. God's a giver, and he wants us to be givers. So I want to raise your expectation level, you know, a bit today. And just, I feel like the Lord wants to give some things to people today. So this is not an exhaustive list of what he wants to give today at all. It's not. But maybe some highlights of things to, to perk your ears up a little bit and maybe get your attention. That heaven really wants to give to you. And so... Um, I felt like uh, this morning that there would be a, a young man here, and I can say that now, in his 30s. That's a young man now. Uh, and uh, I even thought it, you might be 32 years old, but you can hold that loosely. But a young man, and God wants to give you a financial business having to do with uh, securities and finances and all that kind of stuff. I don't know a whole lot about that. I haven't had a whole lot of that in my life. But, <clears throat> but uh, I feel like the Lord wants to maybe give you that. And, and it's for the purpose of supporting missionaries overseas. And uh, he wants to do that. And I'm, uh, this may be weird for you today. I don't mean to be weird. I, I just am trying to be obedient to what I feel like maybe the, the Lord is saying. And so I'm just throwing it out there. And if it doesn't fit, then doesn't work, then you, know, you can put there's trash cans right over there <clears throat> as you leave today. So, But if the Lord can trust you with a little... He'll, he'll give you a lot to steward over. It's not about the cash. It's about the kingdom. That just came to me. That was good. Write that down, Dave. <clears throat> um, Luke 16 uh, is a parable, 1 through 15. And you don't have to turn there, but just if, if that's stirring in you or if you fit in that category, just note that. Luke 16, Jesus had a parable. You need to read that. Uh, I sense maybe there's a woman um, who's going to be here today in her 50s. Uh, and the Lord wants to give you a ministry to younger women. Uh, you, you have a gift of hospitality already. There's a lot of love. You've got a big heart. Compassion is who you are. People would say that about you. And uh, you remember some of the struggles that you had as a young mom and how it would have been helped you so much if you'd had somebody come alongside you and tell you and just tell you some things. Just support you, love you, listen to you. And so I um, feel like maybe the Lord wants to just give you that ministry. And uh, it, may near, it may not be heralded from the front as ministry, but it's hugely important to the Lord. So let your ears perk up if there's something stirring inside of you. I sense there's a man here, maybe even a younger man. See, that's the 30s. That's still, you know, you could be 20, but uh, you're a golfer. Um, and... I feel like the Lord may want to give you a ministry to lost men who golf and 
He's going to give you uh, unusual connections. Uh, favor with top CEOs in the company, in companies. You, you wouldn't rub shoulders with these people otherwise. And you go home and tell your wife, and, man, you know, this guy, he's, this is what he does. Don't become enamored with these people because the Lord's just sending them to you. And it's for the purpose of uh, ministry to them. And, um, and he wants to do that. That's my sense. Um, some of these men, you're going to talk them out of divorce. And, and uh, as a result of that, you're going to save families. You're going to save souls and save families. And you're going to do it on the ninth hole. So, interesting. Uh, I, I felt like there's a two of you here that the Lord wants to invite you to give 20% of your income to the kingdom. I didn't have a... 50 of those, David said. <laughs> I love this guy. <clears throat> so, a couple of you, all right, I'll let David embellish that later. <clears throat> and uh, if you'll do that, the Lord will give you 40% back. He'll do that. Um, you you know about uh, J. L. Craft and Colgate and R. G. Letourneau, These guys who lived off of they lived off of ten percent of their income, and they were multimillionaires. It's not about the cash. It's not about that. Uh, that's never been my gift. The Lord doesn't. He, he's never entrusted me with those things. It's been other things. But some of you. And this one's free. I, I just felt this. Some of you need to know that your work is ministry. Uh, maybe in the church, uh, this may have happened to you. You've gotten this feeling that it's people like David and you know uh, Tom who stand up front, and they're the ones really doing ministry. And you work 50 and 60 hours a week sometimes, and, and you're not really doing things that's really going to count until you get to the prayer meeting that's scheduled on Wednesday night. And because of that, you, you feel like, you know, literally you, you just kind of do that in your head and you realize you're wasting most of your life if that's the way you think. That, that your work is not worship. That your work doesn't count for the kingdom. And I just want to tell you that it does and he sees you that that's ministry. And he wants to use you profoundly in that arena. So just tuck that away. All right, now bow your heads. Let me pray one more time and then I'm going to lead us into more. All right? Lord, uh, if these things are from you, I pray that they would hit ground and go in to soil and that you would bear fruit from these things for the purposes of your kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, that you're a good God and that you want to give. And I pray today that today you would give us more. There's an open channel to receive from you today. And so, Lord, our hearts are open. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. I want to look at the character of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. And I'm going to begin reading there. Uh, interesting, kind of an unusual encounter. Uh, and I'd like to read that and kind of prompt or, or uh, launch us here. Now, Elisha was suffering from illness from which he died. Elisha, different than Elijah. Elisha, 
was the uh, successor to Elijah and uh, great anointing on his life. And he's at the end of his life at this point. And Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Now, they were having an encounter with God there. I could unpack that for you, but for time's sake, I'll just move through that. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hand, hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So it's like Elisha, the man of God, is now praying for him, putting his hands on his hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. Now, we're not, we're not having target practice here. This is a prophetic kind of act that's happening, that's going on. The same kind of thing that Jesus did when he took a towel and a basin of water. It wasn't just about getting their feet clean. It was about teaching them a spiritual significant lesson. And that's what Elijah is doing here. And he says, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground with the arrows. He struck it three times and then he stopped. The man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat, uh, you will defeat it only three times. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I immediately started asking that that's wrong. I mean, you know, the king of Israel, you think in his mind, why didn't you tell me ahead of time? If I just had the instructions ahead of time, I'd have struck it 10 times if I had known that. Why did you know? Oh, shoot, not just shoot, shoot. <laughs> I missed it here. And, and why is this? Uh, what, what is this whole episode here? I think it's. Uh, characteristic of, of Elisha and his whole life. He was a man who asked for more. He was a man who wanted more of God's presence. He wanted more of God's anointing. He wanted to receive more from heaven because he knew that that was what was going to count on the planet. It wasn't what he accomplished just with his hands in his own strength and flesh. He wanted more from heaven. And that was the orientation of his life and heaven was pleased with that. And he expected that from people around him. And he recognized when people don't ask from heaven, they don't receive. Just like it tells us in James, you don't have because you don't ask. So God's saying, I want you to ask. And part of that asking is getting us to be in relationship with him. I mean, God knows what we need before we even ask. He understands that. But he wants relationship with us. And when we come and ask him questions and ask him things and ask for his supply, it does something to us. It opens our heart. It gets us ready. It's like, you know, it's like the, our six year old who's getting ready for Christmas. You know, they're, they're just getting, you know, they're, it's like on steroids here. We're waiting on Santa to come. And it's like it does something in our heart with this anticipation and heaven's preparing our heart when we begin to ask for more from Him. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. And heaven's pleased. So turn with me now to... First uh, Kings 19. Yes. I want to look at some keys in the life of Elisha that will help us understand uh, getting victory in our life, overcoming... And moving to the next level. First Kings chapter 19. I'll turn with you there quickly. And I want to look in verse 19. So 19, 19. 
Elijah is getting ready to pass the mantle here, or not pass the mantle. He's, he's, he's calling Elisha, and so that's this encounter here. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Again, a spiritual kind of act. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elisha replied. Or Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Are you recognizing what he just did? I mean, this guy's the electrician and he just burnt his whole truck with all his supplies. I mean, that's that that he's just sacrificed his livelihood. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now here's some keys in order to have victory not only in our life, but even as Elisha, victory over nations. Now that's a big step. Victory in our life. Victory in Marietta, the square here. Victory in, okay, Lord, uh, we're, we're going to take the next uh, mission field for you, whatever that is. God wants to give us victory on all kinds of levels. And here's some keys for that. When God calls, you leave the comfort and security of life as you've come to know it, and you launch out in complete faith and obedience to Him. Now, what's that mean in simple terms? You just burn your bridges behind you. When God calls and when He speaks, you follow Him. And it's just understandable. That's, that's what Elisha did when he sacrificed his livelihood. That's what the disciples did when Jesus came around and it's, the Scripture says they left their nets and they followed Him. They left all their livelihood, their boats, everything. And now we're going to wander around the planet here with this man called Jesus that we don't really know yet, but we're, we feel this call of God. So they, 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 uh, you know, they, they burned their livelihood. They left it all behind to follow Him and do what He wanted to do and do what God wanted to do. Saul, who turned Paul, did the same thing. He left his, and some of you all have done this, his religious traditions behind. All that he knew, I'm a Pharisee, I'm a Hebrew, I'm all that stuff that he, he said, I, I, I put all that behind me for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ and knowing who He is, which was awesome and incredible. In 1999, um, Leanne and I, my wife and I, had been in Kentucky for 16 years. And uh, we'd been serving in youth ministry there. And, and the year kind of prior to that, the Lord had been doing kind of a transition in our heart. Recogn- we, he was highlighting to us that we weren't going to be there the rest of our life. Now, I, I had planned to do that. I'd planned to give my life there. I, there was enough vision and enough problems. And David... Uh, to, to keep me there for a lifetime. And David could testify to that. And, and so I'd planned to stay there. But the Lord was doing something, even though I didn't know what that meant, that we might be transitioning. There was like this precursor to transition. And I could kind of feel it, but I didn't know what that was going to look like. Well, in April of 1999, I was sitting on my bed, 1.30 in the morning. My wife was gone. Uh, and I clearly understood in my spirit the, the Lord speak. He spoke to my heart. And he said, I have a work for you to do in Edinburgh. <laughs> and I, I immediately, my first, I had an immediate, uh, you know, response in my heart. It, Lord, you mean Scotland? And, and the spirit just flooded me. Now, I want you to try to understand at this point. I mean, um, I had n- no contacts in Scotland. Um, 
there was no way that we could get to Scotland from where I was. I, I was in eastern Kentucky, up a holler. Most of you all can't even picture it. We, we, we pipe in sunshine there. We turn corn into something you drink. Uh, it, it's a different land. And, and uh, it, it just is. <laughs> and I just told, Lord, I can't get there from here. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody there. I didn't have any preconceived ideas, romanticized ideas about Scotland. Hadn't looked into my heritage. I looked one generation back in my family stump and got scared and didn't want to look any farther. So <clears throat> I, I, I didn't have any kind of romanticized ideas about going there. And Lord, I said, I, I can't do this. I mean, you, you're going to have to make this happen if you... If, if this is from you, then you're going to have to open the doors and make the way, and there's no way I can get there. Well, within one week, so I just put it on the back burner. In one week, I had a man call me uh, from out of town. He's actually from England. He wasn't. He's living in Omaha. But he called me and said, Tom, I, I've been praying for you. You've been on my heart, and I just need to know, what's God saying to you about your future? And I said, well, Ray, I think... I think the Lord's saying He wants us to go to Scotland. And I just start weeping and crying, which, you know, I, I, you know, the Spirit's just on me. And He said, well, you just buy the plane tickets to go for you and Leanne, and I'll make all your contacts. <laughs> My goodness! I don't know a soul there. And within two weeks, I've got plane tickets to go to Scotland. Don't know a soul. Don't know what I'm doing. This is craziness. But here we go. And so... That began the journey of beginning to seek the Lord about what He had for us there. But it was like, okay, Lord, all the security, everything that I've known, all ministry as predictable, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to launch out here and do what You want me to do. Now, that's been eight years ago and the Lord's getting ready to launch us. Lord willing, because I'm in faith right now, don't have a job. Dave, you, you want me to tell Him you're unemployed? <laughs> You know, it's like we're we're in the faith zone right now, but God's going to do it. He, we just we're just trusting Him. We're getting to do that Abraham thing. Abraham, just hook up the U-Haul and go to the land. I'm going to show you. People say, "How are you all doing?" Well, we're excited and scared. I'm excited. My wife's scared. We're we're just that's where we are right now. And so we're we're in this faith faith zone and kind of living the dream. And Lord, you just you know we're, we're going to build some stories because God's just going to have to do it and come through. There's no other way. So you just say, Lord, we're going to launch out into you and do what you want us to do. And God wants to get us out into that faith zone where he can, he can do those things. Secondly, look in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. This is where the baton is getting ready to be passed from the prophet Elijah to Elisha. All right? And we see and begin to see the tenacity that Elisha has. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, Elisha replied, but don't speak of it. And then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And then he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went on to Jericho. And then the prophets say the same thing there. And then in verse 6, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on together. 
Now, this is an interesting passage, and the point that I want to gain from this is that if we're to gain victory in our life and even toward those things that God is wanting us to get victory over, whether that's establishing His kingdom uh, at Delta where you work or establishing His kingdom in Pakistan where He's going to send you to, and you're saying, oh no, I don't want that word today. So, whatever God has for you, that He wants to establish victory in our life, that we need to stay close to those who carry something in the Spirit that you want and need. You need to stay close to those people who are carrying something in the Spirit, an anointing from God that you want and need. And it's okay to be greedy for more of God. That's totally acceptable. Completely acceptable. And He wants that. There's a spiritual progression here that's happening even. And kind of in an allegorical, metaphorical way, I see this. As Elijah said, I'm going to Bethel, which in the Hebrew means the house of God. And for us, when we come into the kingdom, you know, we, and come in, we, we'd start hanging around the house of God. And, and we, we come into the house of God. And, and unfortunately, when you start a new church like this, you don't get the opportunity to sit in the seats very long. David and others will put you to work because... We need everybody to work. But a lot of times you can just go into a big church and there's everything's done for you. And, you know, it's, it's pre-packaged food. The pastor cooks for you spiritual meals every Sunday. You just walk in and all this profundity coming from the pulpit. And of course, David does that as well, you know, for you. So you're, you're getting all this spoon feeding going on. And it's wonderful. It's great. And everybody seems to love each other. It's not quite like work. And, and it's just good. And you're enjoying all this in the house of God. But the Lord doesn't want you to stay there. His desire is that we would go on to the next level like Jericho where Elijah was going. And you remember the battle of Jericho that was fought. And that was completely a spiritual battle as if I would unpack that. And God wants to teach us the whole thing about spiritual warfare so that it's not just us coming and getting spoon-fed on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever that is, somebody else feeding us a spiritual diet for us, but we learn to take ground for ourselves and begin to pray and seek God and dig in and get what He wants us to get and press through temptations and pray for those things that are going on in our workplace and shift that boss at needs to go to somewhere else and move him out and real scenarios. The kind of things that God wants us to do and pray. Alright? So we begin to learn the whole thing of spiritual warfare. And then he says, I'm going on to the Jordan and Elisha is hanging with him. I'm going to go with you all the way to the Jordan, which is spiritually significant of that death place. Jesus was baptized there. It's the place where you and I are identified with Jesus in baptism with His death and resurrection. I'm dying to the old life. Dying to all my stuff. It's not about me. I'm not that important. It's all about Him. It's all about keeping my eyes on Him. So it's dying to self and going all the way through that death so that I have something to offer from heaven. When I get this vessel out of the way and God can use me. So God wants us to do that and stay close to those who are carrying that kind of thing so that we can press in and receive the anointing that God has for us. I, re I just remember the times in my life where the Lord would put me in contact with people, whether it was, you know, I told you I had, we had to pipe in sunshine where we were and, and there wasn't a whole lot going on in the spirit where we were in Kentucky. And real soon I had to learn I'm going to have to feed myself. I went to five years of Bible college and it took me three months to preach all my sermon notes and then I was dry. And I realized this 
just uh, equations not going to work. I, I'm not going to have enough time to go back to Bible college five years and get three more months worth. I'm going to have to feed myself. And I'm going to have to do this on my own. And so I began to go to conferences and I began to seek out those spiritual leaders and mentors in my life. And I began to hang around with people who had more than what I did. And that's a good thing because I wanted what they had. I realized I can give a good talk on Sunday morning. And that's debatable and you'll decide that at lunch today. I can give a good talk on Sunday morning, but that man has raised the dead. I've never done that. And I want that. I watched that man deliver a woman from demons 15 feet from me sitting next, you know, on on the pew where I was or the, the line of seats. And she looked like a new woman in 10 minutes. And I knew I've never done that. But that's what Jesus said. And that's what he's called us to do. And I want some of that. Yes, Lord. And so God gave me that hunger and desire to begin to hang out with those people who had more than what I did. I'm hoping that I'm raising some of your hunger level. There's more for us to have than what normal American churchianity has given us. It's all about Jesus. It's not about brick and mortar. Although I like this wall. I love this decor. But it's not about that. It's about Him and His Spirit and His presence. and It's about getting Jesus smack dab in the middle of what we're doing, whether it's at work or whether it's at church on Sunday morning, so that He can have His way and signs and wonders can begin to happen at the water fountain at work on Monday morning. He wants that for us. At the golf course, yes. And the Lord speaks and says, just ask Him about His wife. How are things going with your marriage? And you think, well, you know... It doesn't have to be lightning and all kinds of stuff that look weird and supernatural. It can just be the Lord dropping a little thought in your mind and just ask Him about His family and how things are going right now. And then He said, oh, I can't believe you asked me that. I'm just, oh, I'm toying. I don't know whether to leave her or da-da-da. And God starts working miracles in your life because you're listening to heaven and you're tapped into something now. And He has that for everybody. It's not just for David. It's for all of us as we begin to seek Him and ask him. All right. Second Kings chapter two, verse nine. They get to that point when they had crossed. Elijah said to Elisha, "Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken up from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit." Elisha replied. <laughs> and Elijah said, "You've asked a difficult thing. That was an understatement. I mean, Elijah is the guy who's calling fire down from heaven. All right." That's what he's doing. And Elisha's saying, I want double that. <laughs> Just biggie that. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, that's a difficult thing. And you might think, that's audacious. That's almost sacrilege. You know, how could I ever think, how could I ever be as spiritual as whoever that is that you would put up there on that platform? And yet, when I read the next few verses here, heaven gives him exactly what he asked for. And it makes me scratch my head and think, maybe God's pleased with us when we ask for more. Maybe He wants to give us more than what we've asked for. Maybe we don't have because we don't ask. I wonder if Elisha had got a double portion if he had not asked for it. And the Lord's saying He wants us to ask. It's not all about you know, getting, getting, getting and consumer Christianity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting download from heaven so that He can work His works through us on the earth. And He wants to do that if we'll just begin to seek Him. Ask for a greater anointing than those who've gone before you. Shame on David if he doesn't go beyond me. 
Shame on me if I don't go beyond my parents who've instilled in me. That's what it's all about. This is a, this is a, a, a relay race where we're passing the baton so that those, that we can go beyond those that have gone before us. That's what it's all about. I mean, my great great grandfather, I told you about my family stump or tree, <clears throat> and uh, he was shot in a duel after a poker game. My dad didn't even tell me this for two years, two years ago. And he didn't even tell me, he told my wife. I guess he didn't want that, you know, all the albatross hanging around my neck, you know, about the family stuff, you know, back in Kentucky. We, I had enough to deal with already. So, uh, you know, that, that encounter happened, and then they shot my great-great-grandmother because she was throwing something at the guy who just shot her husband. And my grandfather grew up a hellion until he was in his 20s and then came to know Jesus. And as a result of that, his whole life turned around. And I could tell you incredible stories. But today, just above Hogtown, yes, there in Kentucky, I'm just trying to paint a picture because I know you can't understand what I'm talking about. <clears throat> it's not far from Walla Hole and, and Sheepskin. You know, that's... Yes. And so... Uh, there's Fraley Chapel that sits there, named after my grandfather. And my dad came to know Jesus, who married my mom, and they are prayers, and they pass that on to me. So when they pray for me as we were growing up, and we pray together as a family, Lord, You lead God and direct their life. Now, they're not leaving eastern Kentucky, and my mom grieves every time I get on a plane and go to Pakistan or Afghanistan, or I just got back from Thailand and Korea. Why do you have to go to all these places? But I know I prayed for that. I know I pray for that. She's a good southern mom. Just stay right here at my feet. That'll be good. God wants us to go beyond those who've gone before us. And we need to begin to ask Him for a greater anointing. And He'll give that to us if we'll begin to ask Him. He, that's our destiny. That's what He wants for us. Now, 2 Kings chapter 4. Increase your capacity to receive more of God's Spirit and anointing. That's what He wants for us. We've got to increase our capacity. In this whole passage, I'm not going to take time to read it, but this woman, widow, had run out of money. And he said, take the oil that you have, go out to your neighbors and gather all kinds of, of containers, and then get in your house and pour the oil into those containers. Don't gather just a few containers. Get, get all you can. And so she gets all the containers. Her sons went out and gathered them all. She got in the house, closed the door, and they start pouring oil. And they pour into the first container. And they pour into the second. And it just keeps pouring. Miracle happening in the making right there. And when she got to the last container, she said, bring me another container. And the boy said, there are no more containers. And it says, the Scripture says, the oil stopped. And something happens to me every time I read that. It's like, oh... Ah, did, did, you, did, did you go down that road? Why didn't you go to the next cul-de-sac? You know, why didn't you go to the next? We could have, if we'd have gotten the 55-gallon barrel, we would have been, we would have had. But she ran out of capacity to receive what the blessing that God was giving. Now, God can only give you so much. And, and trust me, it's really true. You, you've heard of uh, people, you know, manifestations coming where it's hard for them to stand up or they're shaking or they're crying a whole lot. It's because God's just drawing near to them. And that's, that's what's happening. And in order to experience God in all His glory, we're going to have to get new suits. 
we don't have the capacity to receive. But I want you to know that God wants your capacity to increase. And a lot of times you can't receive more from God. It's, it's because your hands are full. You're, you're just full. You're, 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 you've got 16 soccer matches before Wednesday. <clears throat> and you've got all these things that you're doing. And they're not bad. They're not going to send you to hell. It's not that kind of stuff. But our life becomes so full of stuff and things and all kinds of that we don't have any room for Him. And so He can't give us what He wants to give us. There's greater anointing that He has for us. There's greater measure of power that He has for us. There's greater transformation that He wants. He he would love to save the whole third floor where you work. He would love for you to transform Marietta Square. He wants to give you visions and dreams of what He can do. Why not you? Elisha said, why not me? Why not me? And he begins to ask, and because he begins to ask, God gives him. But we're going to have to increase our capacity to give. So for me, I went to Korea and I began to recognize these these people are praying like I've never seen before. I have never seen people pray like this. Two weeks ago I was there. And these are professional people. I mean, they're, they're not weird people. They're... But, you know, they just pray four hours and five hours and six hours a day. How do you do that? Well, you just, you just, you know, don't contribute to the profit margin at Blockbuster. Tom, it's real simple. Just watch three less movies this week and spend that time with you. And I'm, it's not about being sinful. And it's just about, we, we just get so enamored with all the stuff that we're doing. Are you following me? So that if we begin to seek Jesus, then when we get in those encounters where He is happening, it's like download from heaven is coming. Wow, it's incredible. So when I'm around these people here in Korea, it was like an open heaven for me. I mean, I had to hold back tears all day long the whole time that I was there. We'd be at lunch and I'd want to, because the manifest presence of God was so strong on these people. Just like the king of Israel, when he gets in touch with Elisha, it's like he's seeing vision. Oh, the horsemen of chariots, and he's just seeing stuff. Because the anointing of God is so strong on him. And God wants that presence on us if we'll just be with him and seek him and want more of him. It doesn't take a whole lot. We spend so much time doing all kinds of things. You know, after I'm, I've been three hours trying to get my way through this internet thing and find the thing on Google, it's like, oh, somebody knows how to get me. And it's like, if I could have just, I probably could have done better if I'd just been with Jesus a while and called that computer program that I know. And it'd been, it'd been all good. But I got to do, you know, are you following me? Our life is so full of stuff. He wants to raise our hunger level. Let me just give you this, and if you're writing and taking notes, you can just take the reference and we won't read it. 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 12. You don't even have to go there. I'll just tell you about it. 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 12. In order to gain this victory in our life, the Lord wants, He wants us to learn to hear His voice and know the voice of the enemy. Elisha would sit and spend time with God, and the Lord would download to him what the enemy king was doing in his private chambers, and he would know the battle strategies of the enemy 
and Elisha would get that from heaven. And they thought that they had a spy in the camp. The enemy did. And they found out that the prophet of God is getting it because he's hearing the voice of God and he knows the voice of the enemy. And God wants to do this for us if we'll just begin to trust Him and seek Him. We don't have because we don't ask. But if we'll begin to ask Him, the Lord will give us creative ideas to take this city, to do things for the kingdom, to make money, not for just our own purposes. And He wants you to be comfortable. I mean, that's not His goal for you in life. Just need to say that disclaimer. But the Lord wants to give us download so that we can glorify Him in all kinds of ways. I'm sitting in Korea with these five businessmen who are meeting together every Friday night to pray for each other in their businesses. They're all PhDs. They're chemical engineers. They're, uh, they're teaching mathematics at what we would have MIT uh, you know, in Korea. They're sitting in Silicon Valley of Korea. And they're all praying for each other. Humble men. Multi-millionaires. I can't believe that I'm sitting in this circle of, of men. And the one man that they're going to pray for, he begins to tell his story. He said, I, I, I used to be the head uh, of the, in the nation of research and technology and biotechnology, bio-research. And uh, I've got over 200 patents. And, and he's sharing all this. He's humble. And these other men, I mean, it's just total humility. You just have to be there to know it. He wasn't boasting. He was just telling his story. And he said, and I worked really, really hard on these patents. He said, I, I worked and slaved and, and it was really hard. And, and, and there were some good patents. But he said, none of that was good for human consumption. It had no practical value. And he said, then the Lord got a hold of my life. And I went on a mission trip. Don't do that if you don't want to be ruined. Okay. He went on a mission trip and then he went to this school of inter intercession to learn how to pray. And he said, my whole life turned around. And he said, now I get, he, he was so funny, he's speaking English with this accent. I get free download from heaven. All free. Last 20 patents, millions of dollars. Produces all kinds of money for the kingdom. I am here to drain the coffers of Islam. All for the purposes of the kingdom of God. Oh, let me tell you about my patents, my inventions. All free from Jesus. No work. All free. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes, Lord. That's the kingdom. Yes. We don't have because we don't ask. We're working and slaving and we think because we're so smart and so slick and we've got it together and if I just work 10 more hours a week and if I just do this and give my savvy and get the latest thing on the, those guys that are screaming about stocks and stuff on television like NFL, what is that? Then I'll have that ingenuity to be able to make this all work and happen. How about just a 30 minutes with Jesus? How about it like one Christian man who was many who was being interviewed, multi-million dollar major corporation on the East Coast, and these guys were being interviewed. What's your, what's your secret of your success? He said the same thing as the preacher who's of the largest church in the world, uh, Paul Young E. Cho in Seoul, Korea. The man said this, this is all I do. I just, I go into my office in the morning and I lay on my floor and I pray for an hour. And I get up and I just do what he told me to do. He just tells me what to do and I just do that and that's my success. Yes, Lord, there is a better way. And he wants to give us more 
Not, it's, it's not just about cash and prizes. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It's about seeing the dead raised. It's about seeing Scotland transformed. It's about seeing the gospel come to Afghanistan. It's about many things. And he's got a job for all of us. We need to start learning to ask God. Ask big and keep on asking. Ask God, ask big, and keep on asking. Lee and I have been praying for eight years now. Lord, this Scotland thing, show us. Made five trips there. And it's like every other day, He's given me, he's given me stuff from heaven. This is what I want you to do. Lord, I don't know what I'm... You know, which city do you want me to land in? What's the ministry going to look like? On and on the questions have gone. And in His proper time, He tells, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to do this. And So now I know what I'm going to do the next nine months. And this is... And I, I, I'm not looking to be on some Willow Creek Conference thing. I just want to do what He tells me to do. And if we do that, He'll tell me even today, well done. Not just the last day, but even now. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to, I want to please Him. He wants to give you today. He wants to give to you today. And so uh, I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come and we're going to pray. And uh, this will be the invitation. Maybe, um, maybe today what I shared at the beginning stirred something in you and you feel like maybe that might be you. Or maybe you just kind of got greedy and it was a person sitting next to you. Lord, I want that. <laughs> and that's Okay. If, if you know that you need more than what you have right now in Jesus, there's more that He wants to give you and you'd like that, then I want to invite you to uh, get a little bit uncomfortable today and maybe get up from where you are. And, and you can just uh, kind of line up and you can stand here if you're comfortable with doing that all the way across and, uh, so that we've got enough room in front of you. And, and David and I are just going to come by and, and uh, we'll just touch you and He'll touch you from a distance and, and I'll hug you and pull you in real... No, I won't do that. <clears throat> uh, and, and we'll just pray for you. But the big deal, it's, it's not about David and I. It's about Jesus and it's about you asking Him for what He wants to give you. It's about you asking Him. Your hunger level is the key and desire. So let's, let's stand together and as you desire, you can just make your way to the front here and we're just going to pray.